because I have a, 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 a handful of small producers who've had their wines copied in China. So yeah, how is technology able to try and bridge that gap ultimately? Tech Insiders Podcast, episode 27, Wine Crime. There's crime happening in the wine world as we speak all over, and we're going to dive into that and figure out if technology can help, what technology can do. Back with us is a full, full slate of our wine insiders. We have Lori from Outshinery. Hi, everyone. Super happy to be here. Nick from Wine Owners. Hi there. <laughs> Seb from Trolley. Good morning, boys and girls. And Jonathan from Bottle Books. Good evening. Nice to be back. <laughs> so there's been some um, recent news. I mean, there's constantly news on this. Um, some of the most interesting stuff from the high end to the low end. The low end, um, there were 12 bottles of fake yellowtail um, that cost the Birmingham um, store to uh, lose their license. Um, there were 8,000 8, bottles of counterfeit penfolds worth over 1.6 million caught in China, which is also very interesting um, that China might be cracking down on this. Um, and um, we'll also share an article about Berry Brothers and Rudd looking into this, taking this seriously. Um, what, what stood out to you, Lori, about um, all of these stories? Um, which one really caught your attention? I think, like at first, like the pen falls, just because like the, you know, the amount of you know one point six million dollars that like, we're getting, you know, like quite high. It's just like oh, like what a what a heist. Um, but then the yellow tail was also fascinating because this is really like the opposite end of the spectrum, and I love the story how like a wine drinker recognized that he wasn't as good. Put it as good between quotation marks as a regular yellowtail and that's how they got busted so that was just like that was kind of like interesting and more like reading you know preparing for this podcast and reading all about this in the news it's just like you know with the trend right now of all the tv series about like scammers and grifters i'm like when are we going to get the tv show about wine like it's just like it's got you've got the decor you've got like the drama like it's just like Netflix, Amazon Prime, or Hulu, or whatever. Do, like, do, I have a feeling it's have, coming. You do have 67 Pall Mall TV, which is wine TV, 24 hour a day wine TV. I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah. It's on, I mean, it's, it's, on a, it's on a streaming platform. Uh, and it's not 24 hours, it's eight hours worth of programming multiplied by three to cover off different uh, time zones. But yeah. All right. it, it's it's chock a block full of content, and I'm sure Maureen's probably been on at least once uh, talking of the wine detective. Right, like it's just like it's just like 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 more like you know like just like how did they go so far? Like you know like just like oh like from you know high in a cellar where people are just like sitting wine drilling hole drilling hole underneath or just counterfeiting penfolds and just um, or other brand like it's just really fascinating. Um, it would make I think for good. TV drama. So you're, you're looking for, a, for a, a, a true crime series more than winemakers once a wife, right? Yeah, I guess just because <laughs> I think there's so much, you know, like romanticization of the word of wine, you know, like sometimes it's determined. So I just think it just it gives a good decor and setting. You've got crime, luxury, 
um, okay. decor, terroir, and 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 also international. Like you know, like what's interesting, like the the wines like Penfolds is taking the Australian, sold in the Chinese market. Like, like you know, it's just like we have all those stories where it's um, you know French wine sold in the U.S. market, and it's just yeah, like it's just yeah, just prone for TV. Um, yeah. <laughs> So action plan, I'm going to get a script writer. Uh, Laurie, you find a movie producer. Nick, you sure. find a, a, a budget, find the money <laughs> to make it done. Uh, and Jonathan, you can find the actors and we're good to go. There we go. <laughs> Has anyone ever uh, uh, opened a bottle of wine and, and, and realize it was fake or has anyone ever had this experience or? And look, from, from my point of view, I've had corked wine a number of times and and sometimes you kind of think would i know would i not know once you've tried cork wine you know uh, fake wine the question is and that's interesting that the the, the yellow tail story uh, because if we go back to the uh, the rudy sour grape stories a couple of years ago how much does the consumer would know how much does the consumer actually care if yeah. we're talking about average everyday consumer look it's hurting the brand it's hurting high-end consumers right collectors but the mass wine market in the middle i i yeah. don't know that i would actually pick that a and wine say, is, is fake um, like i would say also potentially like also, there's no control whatsoever of what's going on in this bottle. I mean, you hear in like third world country, like people dying from like alcohol poisoning because there is no control. Like, like that's also like, okay, so it may not be the real thing and that's a problem, but then really what's in there, right? Like that's also like, like if, wine is always a bit of a question mark, strangely so, right? As we already know as an industry, but like if it's like counterfeit question mark, like it's just like, Okay, so really, what's in there? Like that's also like as a consumer, and I'd be like, like I would be worried, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's not straightforward. <laughs> but the, I think like the 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 thing about the yellowtail is is that you know I hadn't really thought about it before. I mean, you, we've, all the stories that you hear about are about the high end, the high end wines, um, but you don't hear a lot of the stories about the the medium or low end uh, wines as much. Um, but the fact that this was being uh, apparently pushed by the mafia, then I was like, okay, well, this kind of all makes sort of sense. It's kind of their MO. They take something that is affordable, mass market, can fly under the radar, and they just take a little bit of a cutoff of it. Um, and so I, I, could, I could see quite a racket there, and that's going on. The mafia is behind it. You can see how people can come up with numbers and say that 25% of the wine and distribution is not what you what you think it is but you do need somebody that's more organized I mean Rudy was pretty big time but not in not in the volume in nowhere close to the volumes of 25% um, so you actually would need an organization behind it uh, to make it uh, to make it work but then you connect this back to the, one of our previous episodes you know, with this, um, with being able to print your own drinks, you know, we're talking people, <laughs> people detect, this one was found out because it would taste different, but if you could, if you could print the same thing, hack it so you didn't have to pay royalties, um, and then you're basically printing an exact copy of, uh, of, of Yellowtail, 
how, how are you going to be able to figure out which wine is counterfeit and which isn't um, in the future? Nick, does it matter? Put... <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Nick, you're, you're providing software for a lot of high-end sellers. And if you, I mean, do you think if you own, I mean, well, what do you think from, from their perspective? Do you even want to know which bottles, I mean, you know, it could be 10% of your bottles or something. I mean, that would be an incredible loss of money. Is it all just a kind of, people just want to keep it as hushed up as possible or do people actually want to know? Oh yes, yeah, very good question. Um, I think uh, <laughs> drinkers definitely want to know um uh you know and i've been to one or two sessions of maureen downey in the uk where uh, she's showed bottles that uh, are have been proven to be fakes and, and also kind of reviewed bottles uh to determine whether or not they might be fakes but that's quite kind of all low tech really in the sense that you know that at that level of um evaluation it's all about you know the type of bottle used and the label and comparing the labels to other labels and looking at the print on labels and figuring out whether it's been printed or whether it's been laser printed and and all of that kind of, and you know does the cork correspond does the vintage on the cork correspond to the vintage that's on the bottle um is the capsule the same capsule does the capsule look like it's been wrinkled or is it is it is it um you know, tight as you would expect uh, on a bottle where the capsule's been been applied or on a bottling line. Um, so that's all sort of pretty low tech, and it's and I think it's complicated as well by the reality, particularly um, in in um, in areas where production is relatively high, because because a producer won't just source from one bottle supplier. Uh, if they if they're bottling 10,000 12 packs of the same wine, they'll they'll go to a number of different sources. They will have issues of printing. Some some labels will come out faded than other labels towards the end of a a uh, a print run. So the con you know the the premise that there is a there is a a a, a single defined version of something that you then compare everything else to to determine whether it's a fake or not is, is somewhat flawed um, mm -hmm. uh, and so you know so so what do you do about that if you're a collector how do you how do you sort of determine whether you've got fake wines in your cellar or not and I think there are a number of very practical answers to that question such as are you buying at first release? Who are you buying from? What the age of the wine is? Um, and, you know, does it come with its original packaging? Satisfying yourself that, that the, the chain of supply for the wine that you're buying from the source that you're buying from kind of makes sense. So being, being, being sort of practical about it, if you like. Um, so, you know, it, 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 and, and, you know, and if at the extreme end of the spectrum, the stuff that we were talking about in respect of the, um, you know, ancient wines being reproduced, being, being effectively reprinted <laughs> uh, <laughs> by, by Rudy Canalian, uh, or 
the sorts of wines that Harley Rodenstock was buying. Um, you know, you, you have to, as a collector at that end of the market, um, be very clear in your own mind about the, the, um, the evidence that you have around traceability. Uh, and I think the trouble is at that end of the market, there's such a desire to own these extremely rare and scarce things. And perhaps an assumption that the auction houses are always going to have successfully um, filtered out the fakes from the non-fakes, which is clearly not the case. And clearly is, yeah. is, is, is um, um, you know, and, 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 you know, and what happens when something is identified as a fake, does it get destroyed or does it get given back to um, the consigner and therefore effectively gets put back into, um, you know, the distribute, you know, the, it gets put back into distribution again. So going forward, clearly there are lots of things that people have been trying to do in terms of applying technology or different technologies to bottles. The problem is that there isn't a single, single technology that's been applied and adopted globally, whether it's, you know, bubbles on, on, on capsules or, um, you know, infrared technology embedded within the paper labels or whether it's uh, etching on the glass, whatever it may be. Um, and, and, you know, and, and, and maybe, you know, that those technologies combined with things like NFTs um, might be part of the future, but they'll only be part of the future if you can store those wines in warehouses where the warehouse owner is actually prepared to um, take some steps that that technology requires them to take in order to provide, you know, a chain of custody um, that, um, that, that that people would, would would look for. So I think today the reality is um, practical solutions. Um, in terms of due diligence and trace and and satisfying yourself about chain of supply. Uh, I would look. I would. I would add on to that and challenge some ideas that that you're putting out here. Um, first and foremost, we're talking about technologies of the future, uh, and I disagree. We have had. Bluetooth enabled, we have had seals of authenticity, we have had uh, near field communication, we've had blockchain based wines. We're now talking close to what a decade. Mm. And yet, it is clearly not adopted by the industry today. Right. Um, I think ultimately, we do need a technology or a suite of technologies in different markets in order to transparently have as much as we can of a relationship back to the producer. The producer ultimately is the one who should know how much was produced really, where was it distributed really, what features in the taste and what features in the bottle on the bottle were actually put through. So we need that transparency as much as we can, but the industry has not adopted the technology which has been there for years. Right. And the, the next question is really, how much do we really want to know as an industry? Uh, look, it's been highlighted a number of times. If we're saying now 20, about 25% of the wine could be counterfeit. I mean, I, th um, I mean, I think, I think, I think that is, to be honest, in itself debatable. 
I think it's a number that's been yeah. put out there. It's been, yeah. you know, what was the source of that percentage? Yeah, correct. Look, you know, I mean, make it, was it Was it put out there by somebody who, um, it, whose interest it is in for that number to be? Correct, but the, the exact figure is irrelevant here, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and well, the, whole the percentage is, is, that... is relevant. Is it 2% or 3% or 1% or whatever? 1% is quite a lot, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. So the percentage is irrelevant. The question is, if someone buys something that they feel is counterfeit, are they going to admit that, fuck, they were fooled, they fell for it, right? And if a producer discovers a their wine has been counterfeit, yeah, a bit of a beat. Uh, <laughs> but how much is the industry? How much are the producers? How much are the consumers really wanting to highlight counterfeit products? Look, it's we're, we're, we're working uh, I, with I producers I mean, around I the globe. I, I don't necessarily buy into that thought. Um, you know, I think producers want to know. I think... Um, well, what, are, what are they well, going to do about it? Con consumers kind of want... But of course, if, if it's the in, intellectual property of the of the of the owner, the producer that's 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 been breached, then you know they need to accept that if they think something is counter, they're giving it back to the producer via their distributor. Uh, that it is in the lap of the producer to make good if they choose to or not. In other words, they're not going to get that bottle back again, uh, and and probably rightly so. Um, yeah, look, it's interesting. I, I worked with, uh, uh, look, I have a number of stories from the last few years uh, on counterfeit products. Uh, one of them, a, a winery we work with in, in South Australia, uh, who shipped a half a container to China um, and it got stuck in, you know, the, the at border control. And after three weeks being stuck and being in limbo, the winemaker, the winery owner, we're talking like a 10,000 cases produced winery. It's not a big winery. The winemaker flew to China and discovered that his half container was actually turned into three half containers. All right. Yeah. And look, I, I know him really well. I'm not going to name names. You know who you are if you're listening. Uh, I asked him, okay, what widget can we put on the bottle? What are we going to do about that so that it stops? And he kind of went, I'm just going to stop exporting to China. Right. And so ultimately, how much is the industry really having a appetite for regulating this? There's NFTs, there's different things. I'm not convinced that unless we have someone like LCBO, SAQ, unless we have someone like possibly like Constellation, like one of those large enterprises going, we're implementing this. I don't know that the consumers would start buying a wine because it's officially Bluetooth enabled, verified from the winery. And I don't know that the winemakers have enough of a burden on that problem to actually do something about it. So does, I wonder if the new um, e-regulation will have any impact on this, that mm. um, putting uh, QR codes on everything, um, at least on the detection end, um, that you're going to have more wines going everywhere in the world that have QR codes because you're not just going to put a QR code on your wine for Europe, you're just going to put it on for everywhere, right? And so you're going to have more codes going into uh, China. They will, of course, be counterfeited because there's nothing preventing you from counterfeiting a QR code. Um, 
and but you would um, be able to see um, you know where in the world your wines are getting getting scanned and uh, it, you'll be able to tell whether it's a tourist that visited your winery and sure. took a case home with them or if it was you know um, as a percentage you know it's, it's probably some the wine got into the country or this wine came into existence some other some other way um, so um, I, th I, I think that could be a yeah that could be an interesting thing in the mix I mean it's not going to there's no panacea to this, right? I mean, it's a handcrafted product, all the measures to protect against that are more expensive, they cut too much into the margin for most wineries to, to, to contemplate, especially when at the end of the day, it depends on the consumer uh, taking enough interest in counterfeiting to, to actually use these aids because that's, that's, that's where the verification ultimately needs to be. Yeah. It, look, it's clear. I think. Uh, I think that whatever solution gets implemented, clearly for the industry, we're working in a fairly traditional style industry, right? Uh, whatever technology, whatever solution, cannot be implemented for the benefit of the solution itself. So, if you're looking at blockchain, you cannot just have a blockchain of wine tomorrow because blockchain is cool as a technology. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it needs to solve another underlying kind of a problem. And I think the QR code is definitely a really good starting point. QR codes are increasingly being recognized worldwide. So that's, that has a few more legs. The challenge is really how much information is that QR code capable of surfacing? Uh, how many hands has the product moved through? How many bottles were actually produced? Uh, the producer would start seeing with the QR code where is the wine being scanned? Yeah, fair enough. And start identifying some area of, you know, that's a bit of a question mark over there. And the consumer would have a bit more information about the producer, but there's still a disconnect in the chain, right? Most consumers in North America who buy a European wine, most of them really could scan it, but they don't really know who's handled the product and has it been counterfeit in the middle. Oh, it's a fascinating topic. And look, we're talking about wine. Uh, I'm assuming uh, there is such a thing as counterfeit beers, probably not as much because there's, there's a, lo a lot of uh, sort of a volume that can be produced. Uh, there is aged. also, <laughs> there's counterfeit, counterfeit food, right? So we work with producers of food and beverages at large, uh, and we have farmers market police who are mm -hmm. identifying organic farmers labeled as organic but not truly certified as organic mm -hmm. right or family-owned farmers when in reality it's not really the family it's just you know a girl and a boy just selling produce they bought at the wholesale market <laughs> so it exists in different markets it definitely exists in different markets but this sounds maybe also like some that um, as you were mentioning, Sab, that, that there's technological solutions that might be beneficial to larger players, like, for mm -hmm. instance, organic. I mean, you, if you know, it's great to have organic certifications, but they cost money and they, you know, it's not, but it's important for consumers, but there's also a kind of system around that. And there's a fees and there's infrastructure and there's regulation and all of this stuff. And um, 
it, it makes it more and more difficult for smaller producers to track all of this to, you know, to be, there's a lot of producers who are basically organic, but they just can't deal with the certifications, you know, they're, they're not yeah. there yet or whatever, and, and they, it costs money and this and that. And so there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, interesting technologies, but maybe, maybe in the end, um, we're talking about big players and, and even in the China case, you know, it's a massive brand uh, yeah. that they, yeah. that they, crack down on so are they going to care do they care about the, your small producer Seb uh, probably not but maybe maybe the massive brand has massive distribution tied to a big company in China that can yeah you know pull some weight and get some stuff done and, and arguably a uh, yellowtail at the cost of production and the cost that we're just selling the wine yellowtail probably cannot afford adding a 50 cents widget on each bottle <laughs> There's also the the economics aspect of it, right? And look, I think I think as an industry, the the effort needs to be coming from both consumer marketing, consumer education, as well as producer education. Uh, the more producers are using technology, the more technology can help make their, their product data, make their brand data transparent. Uh, you're talking about um, organics. Look, organic certifications are fascinating because they change by country, right? So really, what's a biodynamic wine? I mean, who knows? It's currently <laughs> today, this is strictly marketing. Mm -hmm. Consumers are demanding biodynamic wines. As a producer, just slap biodynamic on it. Right now, from a technology standpoint, if producers adopt more technologies and, and use leverage technologies, the technology is increasingly capable of helping them achieve organic certification, helping them having the right data at the right spot to make sure that this certification process is much simpler. And likewise, from a consumer perspective, um, I think ultimately we really need to educate consumers as to like the QR code might be a good starting point. Uh, but educate consumers to seek, to check, to look at where is this product from. Uh, increasingly, we're seeing people, you know, you go to the grocery stores and some people are looking at the back label. Okay, how much sugar is in this? Okay, how much bloody palm oil is in this? Uh, mm -hmm. So there's a number of different things consumers are slowly starting to do. We need to give consumers the tools to actually get to that information because increasingly they, are, they will be seeking it. You know what I mean? So it needs to come from different front because I, I doubt unless DSAQ, LCBO, unless a big brand gets behind it, it, like the education of both the producers and the consumers will take years. You know what I mean? That was, epi that was episode 27 of the Wine Tech Insiders podcast, Wine Crime. I'd like to thank all of our insiders, Lori, Nick, Seb, and Jonathan. We'll see you all in a few weeks. Thank, thank you, guys. Take it easy. Bye, Stay safe. Everyone. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.